Hello, and welcome to the Written World Podcast. I'm Kylie. I'm Izzy. We're here to talk about No Exit by Taylor Adams and its film adaptation as well. Now streaming on Hulu. Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That would be so great. Um, so this one fulfills number... Um, number six on our 2022 reading challenge, which is a book with a film or TV, D- TV adaptation that came out in 2022. Um, this adaptation came out in late February, so it's available now if you want to watch it. Um, but yeah, so to give you a little bit of background on this book, um, it centers on a young woman named Darby Thorne who is a University of Colorado Boulder student headed home on Christmas Eve unexpectedly because her mother was just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and will be undergoing surgery shortly. Um, Her and her mother don't have the best relationship. It's alluded to that they had a big fight at Thanksgiving time. Um, Dad's not in the picture. He seems to have left at some point. Um, And anyway, she's driving home uh, to Utah from University of Colorado, um, and get stranded at a rest stop in the snow with a handful of strangers, and while she's out looking for cell service in the parking lot, she notices a child's hand in the window of a van that is parked in the lot. Yeah, and I feel like that's all we can say plot-wise about the book, because <laughs> after that, the twists and turns are immeasurable. <laughs> So everything is a spoiler at this point. (laughs) I think we might have to be a little bit more lax about spoilers in this one just because of the nature of it and because we're comparing it to the movie, but... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It might be actually impossible to talk about this book without spoilers, so spoiler alert ahead. If you don't want any spoilers to this book or this movie, maybe check those out first before coming to check us out. Or you can just live with minor spoilers that's cool too (laughs) yeah i feel like even if you listen to this you'll still find something to be surprised about because like we said there's so many twists constantly so izzy do you want to go into your first impressions of no exit sure um i recently have gotten really excited about reading more thrillers and um more like darker sort of like genre fiction and while this is a thriller, I did not expect to be so disturbed. Um, my first impression was that there's gonna be twists and turns, and yeah, the, like, the whole situation, like, it's gonna be horrific, but, like, not so much that I would sit there being, like, I'm picturing this in my brain, and now I'm upset. Um, (laughs) so, and just based on the style of writing, too, I wasn't really sure how to I went into reading it with very little expectations other than, oh, it's a thriller, I like thrillers, like, this should be fun. Um, the style of writing was a little bit different for me, so I was it was kind of hard for me to catch on whether I liked it or not at first, but I ended up really liking it, or at least being really invested in it. I don't know if I can be like, yeah, I really like this thing about kidnapping and murder, like... It's always weird to say you like books or movies that are so dark yeah definitely yeah i i definitely agree about uh the like the writing style doesn't lead you to believe that you're going to get such an intensely gory story so by the way trigger warning for gore 
torture, um, illness. We'll probably have to amend that and add more, um, but it'll be in the show notes, so it's okay. Um, my one of my first impressions was that I feel like Darby is really boring. Um, I feel like she was, if anything, like a slightly edgier uh, Bella Swan from Twilight. Oh yes. <laughs> Like, she- and it's probably supposed to be that way, you know? Like, it's supposed to be like, she's an every girl, she's whoever, like, you can slip into her, which is what Bella Swan's kind of supposed to be. But I was like, do you have any friends? Or, like, if you don't, like, is there more- can there be more of a reason why you don't? Because it just seems like you're not, like, a fully fleshed out character. Um, go ahead. No, could- you know, this makes me feel like my reading of it initially makes a lot more sense because when I was reading her, I was kind of like searching for something more that wasn't there and I I wasn't sure why because I didn't dislike Darby, but I was like, I was trying to figure out if she gave off like very plain woman written by a man vibes or like if she ha- was just sort of like self-inserty or mm. like and like she gets more of a personality and like later I guess like or as it goes forward um so I was like I can't tell if she's relatable or she's just boring yeah <laughs> I I actually realized that I don't know if Taylor Adams is a man? He is. I was bamboozled. I mean, it doesn't matter, but, um... <laughs> but it, it does. It does a little you bit. bamboozled. Um, also, wow. like... Yeah, dear listeners, I say this because I actively seek out female authors. <laughs> so, um... Oh, and he's got some other thrillers. Interesting. Yeah. Also, upon realizing that his name was Taylor Adams... The character of Ashley feels a little more self-inserty, which is very uncomfy for me. Ooh, does you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, listeners, for context, there is a male character named Ashley in the story, and one of his like hang-ups is that oh, Ashley can be a boy's name too, which obviously like. Names don't need to be gendered. We know. We understand this. But in this book, this is not understood. And so, and even, you know, like, we assume, based on certain names, even though we don't want to, um, certain genders and certain presentations. So, like, with Taylor, we sort of, like, assumed that that was a female author. No. And so, that sort of, like, play on names makes me feel like the author was like, yeah, I went through this thing when I was his age, or like when I was younger, so. But then the way that character turns out. Yeah. (sighs) Hmm. Hmm. This kind of makes me want to read another of his thrillers. Just to like see. Just to like see how it compares. Which like, no shade to Taylor Adams. Except that, like, when you when you think about then how Ashley turned out, I'm like, I don't think, as a writer, I would want to self-insert myself to Ashley. Exactly. Um, and I think you I always know. put, like, a little bit of something into your characters of yourself, but, like, 
that just that correlation feels too strong yeah <laughs> and you said that while I was staring at a picture of him and I was like oh gosh oh gosh I was like no no um, on a completely different note um, but another first impression is so as I mentioned with the summary it is Christmas Eve when Darby is headed home uh, to Utah and I feel like that's almost like unnecessary stakes because like throughout the book you don't really it doesn't it really come up like every once in a while someone's like oh yeah I'm going here for Christmas or like they mention Christmas music playing on the radio but it doesn't really enhance anything and Darby her whole thing was she had planned not to go home for Christmas but then her mom got sick um like on that day but I feel like that's enough stakes. I don't think it also needed to be Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, looking back at this, th- there were a lot of things that were, like, maybe not necessary. Like, that there was already enough stakes. And, like, the stakes just kept getting higher and higher and changing, like, constantly. Which is, again, probably, like, a tenant of a good thriller because you want to be like <gasps> page turn Wh- yeah or maybe it's like trying to mislead you yeah which like i couldn't really tell you because i haven't read that many thrillers even though i want to hmm. i feel like i have read a lot but i don't know maybe not the ones i've read are probably more of the mainstream ones so i don't know hmm. um but that was a little weird to me Especially after I read it and watched it a second time, um, I was really noticing that it just didn't really matter that it was Christmas Eve. Um, none of the characters seemed to really care about Christmas. Not even the little kid. So, but anyway. Yeah. Um, couldn't pick it up to couldn't put it down scale. Actually, I think like an eight or a nine. Uh, beca- uh, for like couldn't put it down like i i just like kept reading it and like would spend hours like a day just sitting there with it like not wanting to stop necessarily i don't know if that's because i wanted to get away from my other obligations um (laughs) but i do also think that the like the twists and the turns and sort of the high stakes situation does make you invested in like what's going on even if the character development isn't the best you know the the plot is was pretty well done so yeah i'm kind of on the same page like probably about a nine until the very end Mm. because like when it gets really toward the end i'm like okay we've had enough twists what now i'm done um agree and i felt that way in both like i read it the first time like as a book book and the second time as an audiobook and I felt that way both times, so. Definitely when, towards the end of the novel, I don't want to give away any key things. Towards the end, there's there's some more twists that feel kind of an, uh, unnecessary. Where you're like, guys, I'm hurt. This is enough. Like, this is enough. Yeah. Like, this is enough. Yeah, that's about sums it up. <laughs> yeah, especially with the, like, the twist again at the end. We're like, because the author's like very clearly trying to fool you into believing one ending is true and it's not, yes. and it's like, e- <laughs> after that one, I was like, 
it was like it was a little obvious too i was like this is a little much mm-hmm. like i get it but also <laughs> yeah i feel like up until that point they'd done he'd uh done a pretty good job of keeping it like surprising yeah um thrilling if you will Mm. but that one i was kind of like all right you had your time it's time for this book to be over (laughs) because it's pretty long for for like a thriller that essentially takes place in one night yeah um yeah yep how we already talked about darby a little bit but how did you feel about the other characters oh (laughs) okay um this this actually started bothering me more like post having watched and read everything though i guess we'll get into this more later when we're comparing the book and the movie but lars who is one of the not a spoiler because this is pretty apparent from the beginning one of the central like villains of the story and it it just just mm, just articulating this is very strange because the way he's written and the way he's portrayed in the movie is very strange it's like this is clearly a person who has a disability and like rather than people being like oh this is a person who has a disability like let's just treat him like a normal person because that's what he is it just being a person everyone's all the characters almost immediately in both the film and in the movie or sorry in both the film and the book are like he's creepy he's so weird Mm-hmm. and it's really uncomfortable and like that's not to say that that's not some people's reactions to like seeing someone who's like visibly disabled but the fact that that was the first reaction of all the characters and he's a villain sort of feels very ableist to me yeah, they really played up the creep factor. Yeah. In the movie, I think they tried to handle it a little bit differently, where they tried to make him more sympathetic towards the end. But also, they completely cut out all of the the like actual talking about his disability that happens in the book, like, in between himself and one of the other characters but the one thing that was left in and was really apparent through both of them through the whole time was oh this guy's a creep like there's so much wrong with him and yeah you can obviously like be someone who like has a mental disability and be a not good person you know what i mean because people are Mm -hmm. people but just the fact that he was always the villain from the beginning and no one ever had any questions about it no one like ever gave him a chance to be anything else yeah of all the twists there was no twist where no twist yeah yeah i have i think more to say about that once we get into talking about the movie but yeah yeah with you yeah so that really bothered me um I, I, I don't know. I think that, like, the other characters were surprisingly characterized pretty well in such a short space because a lot of them mm-hmm. don't get, um, like, really fleshed out backstories, but, like, it's enough. We can kind of get a vibe for everyone. Um, I did, wasn't a fan, necessarily, of how the author was describing Sally's character. 
just because like every single description of her was about her being fat and sandy yeah or sandy or sally i don't remember her name i thought it was sandy probably sandy yeah but like every description about her was like oh she's plump she's wearing this like and like okay and like we get it you know like anyway so that retrospectively felt male gazy it did and you know like being fat is not bad obviously like as a person who sort of like identifies in that way like that's like who cares who gives a fuck you know it's part of the human body but also when it's the main focus of how you describe someone it's 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 very like diminutive yeah uh, i have more to say on that when we get to the movie conversation. <laughs> <sighs> okay what did you think about the characters i spoke about darby but um i i thought i thought that ashley was characterized pretty well um i think he i think he was done really well um because, I don't know, you read him and you're like, oh, I know this person. Like, I know who this is. And then and then it's not. But then um, it all kind of it weaves together in a way that, like, felt satisfying, as horrible as it was. I was like, no, this, this all makes sense. Um, so I really liked that. Anything else you really liked about this? I, th- I think, like, what you said, how everything kind of wraps up pretty cleanly for something that had so many twists and turns the author actually did a really good job of keeping track of all of those and they didn't really get lost yeah that's a good point when when things from the past like came back i knew exactly where we were Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it didn't really feel like confusing or muddling or anything i think i guess one thing that i did like is I think the setting was really interesting, and I always like reading about a protagonist who is in college, as lackluster as she was, Mm -hmm. and how I didn't really talk about her being in college, just because I don't know that many books that are written about college kids, um, which is really weird to me. I feel like there's so much to write about. Um, But, so yeah, the setting and and just the fact that she was in college were interesting to me. But yes, we can move on to what we did Actually, though, like, playing off of that a little bit, (laughs) not moving on, just kidding. (laughs) Sorry! Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, But, like, the fact that she was a college student, like, really made sense for the story. Because, like, as a person who just, like, finished my undergraduate degree, I feel like if I were ever to be stuck in, like, that kind of, like, thrillery situation where someone kidnapped a little girl and I was gonna try to save her, it would be, like, me in college. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I I feel like that's... Not to say that, like, much has changed since then, but... I feel like that's sort of well. You haven't had very much time. Yeah, it's been like three (laughs) weeks. Like let's (laughs) let's be clear about that. Um, but I I feel like that that like res that like made sense. It was like okay, yeah, she's you know because Darby also had this like interesting like hero complex, which I thought that playing around with that was kind of interesting because if they if the author didn't like talk about that or sort of leave it alone, then like I feel like that would have been like oh that's kind of weird like. She's just doing all the stuff for the good of other people? Like, yeah. But also, hmm. So I thought that was interesting. But, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can really explain it well, but I think it makes sense. 
to counter that, I thought the hero stuff was far-fetched. I was like, what do you mean you wouldn't have just given up earlier? Maybe I'm selfish or I'm scared or whatever, but I would have maybe, I would have tried to call the cops if I saw someone in the car, but if it didn't work, I don't know. Maybe I would have tried the first time to like get her out of my van, but like, or out of the van, but I don't think I would have gone further than that. And like I, I know that some people would, but I didn't feel justified for me. No. I didn't feel like it was justified within Darby. So I didn't like that. Yeah. I do think part of this is because we don't really know that much about Darby and she's not super like complex. I mean in ways she is, but in a lot of ways she's not. Um, and the author kind of alludes to, to like, some more complexity in her backstory, but then never really reveals it. That's the one thing that didn't get tied up was her backstory. Mm. And I was like, that's the part I was legitimately interested in and thought would have made sort of Ashley's, um, like, mind games a bit more compelling. They tried to do this in the movie, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Who, if anyone, would you recommend No Exit to? If you're looking for a thriller, you don't want to have to think too much about with a character that's not that hard to get behind because there's not much you can't get behind because she doesn't really have anything else. Um, <laughs> and you want to be, like, scared. That's, I guess, who I would recommend this to. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. Like, you like, you like a good twist. You like gore. You like action. You don't like too much character stuff to get in the way. Yeah. But even that, actually, I take that back. Because a lot of it comes back to, like, her thinking in her head about her mom and her sister and her hero complex. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I I struggle with this book because I both really liked it, but also can see, like, a lot of the places where it did fall short for me. Shall we move on to the movie? Yes, I think we shall. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the, like I said, this movie came out in February 2022. It was directed by Damien Power. Darby was played by Havana Rose Liu, Danny Ramirez, David Rizdal, Dennis Haysbert, and Dale Dickey. Um, so then I guess we could start with the characters, since I just gave the cast. Yeah, um... So, the, a lot of the character dynamics were changed from what they were in the book. I thought that in some ways they made the characters both more and less compelling. Uh, which I guess gets to my whole comment about the movie, or my whole, like, I guess the summary of my feelings about the movie in general, which is that it took out a lot of the complexity and the twists out of the, from the book out. Like, it pretty much wasn't there at all. I thought that Ed's character was uh, like a lot easier to get behind in the movie, but also a bit less compelling. I thought that Sandy's character, if that is her name, was also like a bit, e I guess, more like easier to connect with in the movie than in the book. Ashley was himself. And played really well by his actor. However, I do think that they took out a lot of the, like, 
they kept it but they also like took out a lot of the more violent and the more in the book no surprise ashley kind of like goes insane towards the end of the towards the end more so than he does in the movie and they kind of took that out a bit they really mellowed it out so yeah that's true which is probably like i don't know i guess you can kind of put anything on screen these days but i'm glad i didn't want to see it (laughs) no i when i listened to the audiobook the second time i went through the book i was like skip 30 seconds skip 30 seconds i don't want to hear this part um yeah but i do agree i think it was uh very well cast um that was danny ramirez as um ashley i thought he did a really good job which they totally took out the ashley thing too yeah that's true yeah they kind of let that slide actually just like changed a lot for seemingly no reason like like it was set in california at like your park like what that's yeah (laughs) also that's a that's a big thing um darby um she was not okay in the movie she was not a colorado boulder student she was in rehab and that's where she was coming from on this night so she actually escaped from rehab she stole a car from like a supervisor there and was driving across the country um or no did her mom live in utah in yeah still in california uh, um, in so Utah. She was driving anyway. Oh, she still lived in Utah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, because she said Salt Lake. Yeah, you're right. So she was driving from California to Utah um, in the movie. And so I think I understand why they did that to Darby. I forgot I'm wearing makeup for the first time ever. Um, I understand why they gave that backstory to Darby. Like, she was troubled. She, like, kind of, like, generically did drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were... <laughs> hints of that in the book like she does talk a lot about her stimulant use and by that i mean like red bull and coffee and occasional adderall um but like pretty comparatively mild drug use i guess um so like that hint of darby was there and she she did really emphasize how much she liked red bull and coffee and everything and that did come up kind of a weird amount but um i see why they they made her um they put her in rehab instead of in college because like we said she wasn't that interesting and this gave her like a little bit more of like a reasonable edge and also sort of justified her toughness later on like i imagine that you have to be a little tougher in rehab than at university of colorado boulder um but i don't know um can't say for sure um so yeah i thought that was um probably a logical choice i didn't really feel too strongly one way or the other about it yeah definitely um also like just remembering how much red bull and coffee and adderall were mentioned i am now thinking that darby was a collection of like of college girl stereotypes um like moody artsy college girl stereotypes and that's right, because she was an art student. Yeah, she did grave rubbings, which, like, which was, like, her quirky trait. Written by a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's really coming to light here. It really is. Like, I I was, like, thinking about that while I was reading it. I was like, I hope this is written by a woman. I don't know, man. 
but then I found out it wasn't, and then we were talking about it, and now so many things make sense. And this is not to say that men can't write women. They can. But maybe Taylor Adams shouldn't. (laughs) Not to talk. And also, I would just like to say that I probably couldn't write a man as someone who identifies as female. Um, I mean, I could try, but I have no idea if it would be good. Um, I would want a man to tell me that, I think. Um, but anyway, that's a conversation for a different day. So I'm not saying I could do better in, in the opposite shoes, but it was just kind of, yeah. <laughs> Definitely could write about a female college experience better. But that's, I mean, I had that, so. Yeah, exactly. Also, I kept waiting for, like, <laughs> this is just me, but I kept waiting for Darby to be, like, queer or, like, something queer to appear. You know, just, like, it was honestly, especially in the movie, it was, like, it was supposed to be there. You could feel it. Yeah. It was like, mmm. It just, you know, the. <laughs> if you just have a collection of random people in, like, a building, you're very likely to have very diverse experiences. I think they capitalize this more in the movie with their casting choices and, like, things like that. But, like, eh, you know, I, it is very loosely. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, now that you say that, like, it was begging to be there in the movie. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the thing, too. Like, I feel like the book was very heteronormative, very white. And just, just intrinsically, like, you know, if you have five people in a room, randomly, like, our population is full of many different kinds of people, you'd think. Especially in California. Yeah, especially in California. I mean, the book is set in Nevada, but even in Nevada... Like, yeah. there's still people. You know, people are everywhere. Well, and even in the book, a lot of the characters are coming from California. Yeah, so, hello. I was pretty honestly distracted by the fact that um, Dennis Haysbert, who played Ed, was the Allstate guy. Yes, but it made me love him more. <laughs> I It did make him very endearing. I would like to see him play more things. So, um, Dennis Haysbert is the guy who says... Allstate, are you in good hands? <laughs> and um, he was uh, playing Ed, and that I think is part of like what made him easier to get behind in the movie. Yes, agreed. <laughs> but honestly, his character was more likable in the book. It, he was much more of like a gruff kind of redneck-ish yeah. type. Um, and in the movie, that he was much more like perceptive and caring. Um, he was an ex-marine. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. If Ed in the book was an ex-marine. I don't... I think that the marine storyline was just for the movie and to connect, like, something with Darby's backstory and, like, her dad committing suicide after being a marine, mm-hmm. which was not a part of the book at all. Yeah. So. But that was very interesting. Um, and then, while I feel like it was not the Sandy from the book, and I think that kind of took away from some of the twists and stuff i did like dale dickie as sandy yeah i thought i just didn't feel like it was sandy from the book but she was still very interesting i was watching her the whole time yeah i i liked sort of the way that she bounced back and forth between being like 
compassionate and like attentive to being sort of apprehensive or maybe like more self-serving like that was really interesting you know what i really didn't like about the characterization in the movie though that at times jay was a little shit oh yes and like i actually really love jay in the book because she had so much more personality yeah she had like even more like honestly her interactions with darby like brought a lot out of personality wise out of both of them and like it was really good in the movie she was just crying the whole time which is fine understandable you're being kidnapped but like they gave her this backstory that like she was just this rich girl who had been really mean to sandy and like actively sandy was her maid yeah and like you know yes yes like if we were trying to make an like an active comment on privilege then sure but that's not what this is doing at all Mm -mm. so it felt a little gratuitous it felt a little like unnecessary i don't know why i think it was i think the director was trying to make us or the writers the movie making people (laughs) were trying to make us more sympathetic with sandy being like how could she ever do this Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's true i think that the movie really did try to like let us see sandy's side of things some more Mm -hmm. um but yeah i agree i just i didn't i don't know the like (laughs) jay um trying to have her maid do tiktok dances with her i was like okay whatever take it or leave it but Jay, like, so Jay, um, is the little girl who's trapped in the van. She's seven years old. And, I don't know, in the movie, I'm like, yeah, you look seven, but you're crying like you're two. And, like, I understand that seven-year-olds cry. Believe me, I cried a lot when I was seven. Um, but I cried differently. <laughs> um, maybe this is nitpicky, but she, like, it didn't, I don't know, she's a child actor, so, like, I shouldn't be mean. But, like, I don't know, it wasn't believable. It was, like, just kind of, she wasn't crying like something was wrong like really wrong she was crying like she didn't get what she wanted yeah wow i'm like really here critiquing the seven-year-old <laughs> crying but like i don't know i didn't believe it also like they they really took like all of the complexity and the like nuance of jay's illness and like all of these things like out and mm-hmm. so she was just like the a placeholder for like a kid who's been kidnapped and Mm -hmm. she read that way and like that's not how she read in the book i think that jay was actually one of the more well characterized characters in the book how many times can i say yeah she had such a good sense of humor yeah she did and she was helpful and she was inquisitive and like but still like a child like this kid was just screaming the whole time oh so i suppose we should talk about lars oh yes we should talk about lars um my big thought about Lars is, in the book, Lars and Ashley, wait, can I even say this? Uh, yeah, we already warned about spoilers. Yep. In the book, <laughs> Lars and Ashley are kidnapping for their own personal gain, both of them, and they know this. They are going to make a profit. In the movie, Ashley leads Lars to believe that the child they're kidnapping is being kidnapped in order to be put in a better home. Um, these two were foster kids. I'm not sure if they were... I think they were actual brothers who were in foster care together, but I could be wrong about that. No, they were... Um, I think they were... Um, brought together brought by the, together foster, by the foster father. 
Okay. Who, um, by the way, and like, so, runs a child molestation and traffic. Yeah. Yeah, the foster dad is bad shit. But, not even but. Um, so, they are kidnapping Jay in order. This feels like a spoiler. I don't know. They're kidnapping Jay in order, in, for this purpose. But Ashley leads his former foster brother Lars to believe that um, Jay will be put in a better home situation, foster care situation, and that her life will be better for it. And I thought that that humanized Lars some more than just, like, being blindly evil and money-hungry, like, in the book. And I thought it also added some complexity to Ashley um, and to their relationship and past and where they've come from. So that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, I actually, like, I didn't like the fact that Lars was sort of like completely unaware of what was going on in the movie um just because like yes he's supposed to be manipulated by his brother like that's the whole thing in both the book and the movie but I feel like Lars in the book was a bit more autonomous like than Lars in the movie and um it just sort of i feel like it like just creates this kind of stereotype or this like sort of stereotype about someone who's disabled that like oh like of course he doesn't know what's going on you know of course he's like so easily manipulated so i mean again i can't really like talk too much about this because it's not really my experience like, I, like, do struggle with, like, different mental health issues that, like, can affect the way that I, like, act and function in the world and things, but, like, that's, you know, sort of different than the kind of, like, scale that he was experiencing. So, I don't know. It just, just the whole handling of it, like, didn't really necessarily feel like positive representation, which, it's a thriller, so... Positive representation in the thriller is hard to come by. Right. But that doesn't mean it should be. And also, be. like, you didn't have to make the villain, like, someone who's the villain's brother or the who is one of the villains disabled. Like, if you wanted positive representation, like, he could have just been another person who was there. He didn't have to be, like, mm-hmm. the central, like, this guy's a creep from the beginning kind of thing. Like, that was definitely a choice. Mm. That's a really good point. Look at us disagreeing with each other <gasps> several times. <laughs> so, um, like I said, the book is kind of long for a thriller that takes place all in one night. The movie is pretty short. Mm-hmm. It's like an hour and a half. Um, and also, like we said, they did take out a lot of the twists. I think there could have been more twists. However, like, I didn't... Because by the time I got to the end of the book, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, I'm done with all of the twists. We've seen them all. Um, I was not super bothered by them simplifying it a little bit, but I think it, I think they did kind of leave holes. Yeah, they did definitely simplify it a lot, and while I appreciated that because I didn't necessarily want to see all the twists, (laughs) um, I also felt that there was, like, sort of a lack of complexity that was maybe there before in the, like, plot line so but that's all right yeah yeah and that's kind of i guess always bound to happen in a in an adaptation but i i thought that i think overall it was a pretty good representation of the book 
Yeah. Shall we go into our personalized book recommendation? Uh Oh, yes. (laughs) Would you like to read the request? Um, so yeah, this request is from me because I really like book to film adaptations and, um, I'm looking for some new ones. So I was looking for one. I asked Izzy for a book to film, a book that has a film adaptation or TV or streaming or whatever, um, that she feels strongly about whether positively or negatively, because I like them all. I like to see them even if they suck, like, uh, I could do an entire podcast on I'm thinking of ending things and that adaptation. Uh, but that is for another day. So Izzy, take it away. All right. So this kind of a controversial answer because I have not seen and or read it. However, <laughs> and I and the reason why I chose something I have not seen and or read is because I typically don't read um, things that have recently been adapted, um, not because I don't want to, just because the things I read usually aren't adapted into movies. So, <laughs> and if they yeah, are, I like, realize I kind of threw this on you. I was thinking about that too. I was like, this isn't really fair, but well, it's okay. No, it's good. I did find something though. So this is something that has been on my to read list. Oh God. As I hit my microphone. Okay. This has been on my to read list and also the movie's coming out this month. So it seems like something cool to maybe read and it's where the crawdads sing by delia owens did you read it already yes and i'm so excited for the movie <laughs> oh yay i was like maybe she's read it already it feels like it's up her alley but like i've heard such good things about it it is so good i'm so excited for that one also i love daisy egger jones she's the actress who's plays playing the main character um she was in the movie fresh with sebastian stan which is a fucking masterpiece I love it so much. Um, it's a th- it's a thriller, but like really well done, so good. Um, yeah, and also like just she's really pretty, and I'm gay, and it's <laughs> yeah, she's re- she's a good actress. Like it's you know, um, so yeah, that's sort of all I have. I mean, like standard, pretty good, like book to movie adaptations from my own life, The Lord of the Rings hunger games kind of thing like yeah okay that's fair and honestly you got one that i'm already really excited about so like you won (laughs) (laughs) i i think what like we got from this is that maybe i need to read this book and i'm not gonna say no i do really like it i kind of want to read it again before the movie comes out yeah i mean it's it's on my well it's on my mom's shelf and we kind of share shelves so my mom's reading under the whispering door right now um when sophie (laughs) this is kind of funny so the editor of this podcast miss sophie goad is currently on her cross-country road trip to move to los angeles and right before she left, I had lent her the Lolo Woods to read, and she was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to get to it before before I um, go, so I'll just leave it with you. And I was like, no, just take it, just take it. And she's like, okay, fine. Then I will leave, um, what is it, a thousand doors of January or a hundred doors of January? So she had that, so she left that for me at her house, and she has my book. So we did a little, a, a good little swap, and we will return them, I don't know, when will it be, Sophie? Halloween? 
Um, a thousand doors in January. I love so much. I know she she read it because of this podcast. Oh yes. <laughs> so it was really a full loop sort of situation, and now we're talking. This makes about it. me so happy. Um, Alex E. Harrow like has my whole heart. She's such a phenomenal writer. Please contact me. <laughs> we need <laughs> you to. Guys, talk about you guys, you guys need to hang out. You're on the same. I place. know she will be. Oh, she's trekking across the country. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Impacting lives, even if it's just the three of us. <laughs> the two oh, people yeah. podcasting and our editor. That's fine. I'm you happy know, with that. That's That already is something. It's like a book club that we have, like, a soundtrack for, but the soundtrack is us talking. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, so, um, my mom read, um, House in the Cerulean Sea and, like, loved it, and so she was like, what books should I read? Because she had been really excited about reading, um, Under the Whispering Door, so I brought, I haven't even read it yet, but I brought it home for her to read, and as I brought all of my stuff home, because I moved home. Anyway, (laughs) so I, like, one of the first things I did when I got home was hand it to her, and then she goes, I need to pick, I just finished a book, I need to pick another one, I'm like, mom, it's Pride Month, read, (laughs) Under the whispering door and she was she's already like a couple of pages in and she's like i love it so much and i'm like Aww. yeah tj clune we are your fan club yeah also carmen marie machado yeah taylor adams not so much sorry sorry <laughs> <laughs> not sorry though anyway what are we reading next <laughs> so we are reading um, we ha- we're going to read Rainbow Rainbow by Lydia Conklin, and this will fulfill number 16 on our list, which is a work by a non-binary author, and this book has a lot of cool, like, little short stories and stuff from, about, like, queer experiences, which we thought would be perfect for Pride Month, but be, be queer all the time, obviously. Read queer things constantly. Stay gay, kids. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We are pushing the gay agenda. <laughs> Absolutely. If there's anything this podcast is doing. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. Okay. And then what are you reading now? Yeah. So I'm reading Vast in the Night right now, which is um, a retelling of a Russian folktale called Vasilla the Beautiful. Um, I'm also reading three other books. Um, <laughs> I'm reading... Pandora's Jar by Natalie Hayes, which, um, she wrote, like, A Thousand Chips and a bunch of the other Greek mythology retellings. So Pandora's Jar is a more, like, literary slash historical analysis of mythology. So it's talking about women in mythology and how they've been portrayed through, like, the epics, through different retellings, like, all of these things. Really cool. I know a lot about Pandora I did not know before. And there's a bunch of other people in there, too. I'm still reading The Mythic Dream, which is a short story collection um, with myth retellings, and I'm also reading another mythology collection, because I'm predictable. Currently reading four books at once, all about folktale slash mythology, <laughs> so... I'm reading Peak by Roland Smith, which is a young adult novel, and it's about this kid who... It, the, the book opens with him scaling a... I forget what building it is, but like a very tall and very important building in New York City. 
Um, and so he gets in trouble and basically gets sent to stay with his dad. But his dad is like one of the best climbers in the world. So I'm pretty sure they're going to go climb Mount Everest, but I'm not too far into it yet. Um, but it's like a, it's a, it's a fun, interesting read. This sounds so interesting, but like, I would never pick that up. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I find this so interesting when we talk about what we're reading. Every time you say something, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, that, you know, that is interesting, but like, I would never read that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's why we like have what I think are good discussions is because like Mm -hmm. when we, when we don't read the same thing, we read completely different things. Yeah. So I think that we can come to it from like different perspectives that like different I guess um literary perspectives which is really interesting to me yeah okay so then I think that will about do it for today right yeah I think that's it yeah thank you for listening to this episode of the written world podcast join us next time for number 16 on our reading list Mm -hmm.